This is the Jets-centric podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to episode 14 of the Jet-Centric Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm one of your hosts. And in this episode, we have Kara of Arctic Ice Hockey. She's a managing editor over there. Uh, she spends about an hour talking with Daniel, and uh, they talk about a lot of different topics. Uh, Kara's great at, uh, you know, talking about some things that are not typically popular topics in hockey, but she tackles them and does it well. So I'm sure you'll enjoy her refreshing takes on, on some of those things, as well as obviously they talk about the about hockey and, uh, and the Jets as well. And even allude to the Josh Morrissey signing. Uh, this was recorded actually before the Josh Morrissey signing, but they were just about to kind of get into it. And it sounds like Kara was going to predict it right on uh, just before some technical difficulties around the 54 minute mark or something like that. So anyhow, um, so that's that's what we have for you in this episode about the Josh Morrissey signing. Anyhow, enjoy it. Make sure you also go check out our old episodes. We've had a lot of really great guests on. And in the future, we already got a bunch of really good ones lined up too. So uh, enjoy it. Tell your friends and uh, enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. It's Daniel back here again with you. And I'm here today with Kara of Arctic Ice Hockey. Hey, Kara, how's it going? Uh, good, thank you. <clears throat> good, good. So we're just before we get into the Jets talk here, we just want to know maybe a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe uh, what you do exactly at Arctic Ice Hockey. I know you're the managing editor, so maybe a definition on exactly what that is, what you do, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so right now, once again, we've been trying to get more writers. I make sure that we have content. We try and do something every day. Um, game day coverage, which is between two to three stories for a game, a preview, a game thread, and a recap, and any breaking news that happens with the Jets gets posted, as well as I'm constantly recruiting new writers and also kind of trying to keep things with the NHL as well and making sure that any relevant story that goes with that we can tie into the Jets gets covered as well. So a little bit of everything. Okay. So you're basically kind of just running the show, you know, recruiting people and getting yeah. that kind of stuff going. Okay. Yeah. So, so I just want to touch on something else before we get into actual Jets talk and stuff is about female writers or female contributors or females in media. So as we know, that's something that's not very common, but it is becoming more common and we are seeing a lot more females in the industry of sports writing and that kind of thing. So maybe some experiences if you've had experience as a female or something along like that. So it's interesting. I'm actually, um, because of university, I'm a trained teacher and I majored in history and minored in English. So like the whole sports media field, I, I just like, it's just as a hobby. But one thing that, and I'm lucky my 
personal Twitter account is locked. And so not a lot of people can ever direct hate to me because that's pretty protected. Um, A lot of females either don't have that protection or if they do, they don't have the time. So there's that. Um, The other thing is, in general, it's hard to find writers because we don't, we can't pay everyone. We don't have that type of budget. And um, I think there is, with hockey especially, there's not a lot of acceptance of fans that do not identify as straight men, which is really sad. But in a sport where a lot of the players used to be from small towns and don't necessarily finish high school, I can see how it's going to take a while to evolve. Um, besides being the managing editor of Arctic, Arctic Ice Hockey, I also write for um, the Habs SB Nation blog, Habs Eyes on the Prize, and they actually have quite a few females and always have. And they've only ever had uh, male managing editors. And I know when we were talking about this beforehand, um, you mentioned a story I told, and um, quite a few years ago now, four or five years, I had done one of our silly game recaps, and um, Troy Westwood picked it up, and it was very Habs biased because it was for a Habs blog, and basically called it a disgrace because as a identified Jets blogger at the time, I basically complained about how they played and they won (laughs) and um, both managing editors at the time immediately defended me there's been times at arctic ice hockey where i've taken massive massive risks the first piece i ever wrote was about um instances of racism in the nhl Mm. (laughs) um (laughs) yeah so often nice and light you know yeah um (laughs) But because of stuff like that, um, anyone who decides to put themselves out there, especially if they're female, you can't do that if you're going to be alone. You have to have um, people with a strong voice and particularly men who can call out the behavior of other men. And I've been really lucky in that regard. Um, trying to think. The only time twice I've had not so great um, experiences once was after the Katy Perry chant at Corey Perry right when I called um, some people did not like the fact that I called it sexism when it was yeah it, yes. <laughs> oh, it was a fun chant um, no it was sexist yeah um, and the other time was I wrote quite a long piece it's the first time I wrote something on Bobby Hall I've Mm. since written more and um, there was someone who basically said um, I want it it was a threat in our comments and um, nothing and I had not that long before that been given two books to hand out as a prize for something and one of them went I think might have gone to this guy and I so I contacted our managing editor and I was like um 
so this happened and the comment was deleted nothing happened but it was a fairly innocuous article I thought because it was all backed up like I write things like I would an academic paper and I make sure I have my sources and if I don't have sources I won't include the fact unless it's known Mm -hmm. Um, and with Bobby Hall something like his Nazism or him saying that Hitler had some good ideas isn't exactly known so I always make sure to cite it Um, the interesting thing with that piece was that it got picked up by some of the not necessarily media outlets, but well-known hockey writers. And I was, and so it kind of went around and I'd go back and I'd have like 20 plus Twitter mentions. That was before my account was closed off. Right. And um, that was kind of a bit of a surprise, but that's the only time that I've actually been uncomfortable, which is really rare for any female on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean by that. I mean, I see it, you know, you see it a lot. Anyone that has a like opinions on sports or something, especially controversial topics, like you said, racism or Bobby Hall and that fact or yeah. other, things that uh, shouldn't necessarily be controversial, but are. <laughs> yeah. Like it's something that, you know, you pointed out Nazism. I mean, that definitely should not be a controversial topic, but it definitely is. And that's yeah. something that we deal with as part of hockey and that's kind of the other side of hockey is all the off the ice stuff or stuff that doesn't actually relate to playing stick puck on the ice right so that's something yeah. that uh, that's all a part of the game and people try to disassociate that from one another but it should all be in one big thing like it's hand in yeah. hand kind of right like and, some people like, yeah go ahead well I, I know that like with us like because with the Habs there's been a lot of controversy around Andrew Shaw and his homophobic comments on the ice um and one of the things that we've said is um especially with hockey players and I don't think people realize how short we've been educating people on terminology with LGBTQ people that terminology is really like the education started very at least in manitoba very um tepidly when i was in probably grade six or seven and i'm 25 so 13 14 years ago yeah yeah that sounds about right i'm i'm 24 Um, so that that sounds about right yeah Yeah. (laughs) and like there was like that's so gay was so yesterday yeah (laughs) those were the posters that i was educated on Mm -hmm. like the whole things about gender pronouns and all that is very new. And so to think someone who might not even be done high school, uh, just very Kotka uh, Niemi is he still has two years left of high school in Finland. Yeah. <laughs> he was drafted third overall. They might not be getting that education. If someone who would be mid-age in the NHL. Definitely in... didn't have that. Yeah that's yeah like, that's a good so point actually we kind of like i know fans and i get there are people who are frozen out from the nhl because of how they're talked about um but we also have to look at it and say 
whose job is it to educate them? And the NHL does need to bring in people to teach them proper terminology and yeah, how to insult each other without without insulting, insulting a whole group, a group of people. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point, and that's something. I mean, we hope to be able to see. Yeah. I, that's I, coming around i mean you do see some stuff now i mean hopefully it's a change for the better yeah. and we'll yeah. progress and I think, as i think it has to be a whole group thing because a 30 year old is not going to even have the context of why not to call someone gay <laughs> exactly yeah like it's yeah. something that was ex- I, accepted except it was accepted in the night like even as recent as the mid 2000s to yeah, 90s so. right so that's fairly fresh and that's something that just has to kind of wean itself out i guess is yeah you kind of just we'll keep seeing it and all that but uh, i think we'll move on to some jets talk now oh yes before we spend our whole segment talking about uh yeah those hard-hitting topics (laughs) um so anyways uh just a couple of days ago uh the montreal canadians that's your identified favorite team yes traded their captain the the midnight trade (laughs) yes the 12 30 12 30 a.m i checked my phone and i was like what what why why so late the funny thing was so we have a lot of writers in eastern canada either east coast montreal or like the eastern seaboard in the u.s there was a bunch of us up and we were all just about to go to bed and we saw this and we all went into slack and we're like this is what we have to do because there's a checklist with them. Yeah, they traded him and it's actually they did diminish his trade value before trading him, but the return they got Nick Suzuki, who's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas Katar can um, obviously still contribute if he bounces back. Yeah, And a second round pick can yeah. be a good pick and it can also be trade trade bait if they want to use it to move a player out that they don't need anymore um what i found interesting is so suzuki was included if um on the contingency that patch ready would uh, sign with las vegas after and he did okay and you brought up uh when we were prepping for this brought up blake wheeler (laughs) yeah that was something that i actually thought of within five minutes of seeing the trade i was like wait a second Blake Wheeler is three years older than Patch Reddy. And um, he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. I love him. Mm-hmm. He is also at the age where you start to fall off. Yeah, the wrong side of and, 30, as they say. And they, um, there's an excellent article somewhere on The Athletic. I will try to link it on Arctic Ice Hockey at some point, where Tyler Dello broke down why the Blake Wheeler contract's not good. So he's three years young, three years older, signed for a year more and a million dollars more per year. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, and I, like I said, I love Blake Wheeler. I think he's a fantastic addition for the Jets. But we're looking at um, Line A coming up for a new contract. Wheeler's mm-hmm. new contract kicks in this year. At some point, you're going to need to keep Shifley. We've seen what happens, what has happened with Brian Little, who, again, wonderful player. And you never know when someone's going to fall off. Yeah. So the Jets took a big risk with Wheeler. And um, last year, he was fantastic. But most of, his, most of that growth and points came on the power play. 
which is an unstable way to get points. Yeah, I'm sure I could pop 30 assists if I could feed Patrick Laine all day. So. Yeah, <laughs> and um, the other thing Dello brought up was that people would cheat on to Laine and Bufflin, and Wheeler would benefit from that. Right, yes, that's and a good so point too. if they stopped cheating so much, he could be in trouble. And what that, what's that contract going to look like in a year or two? Mm-hmm. What's that going to mean for Morrissey? What's that going to mean for Truva? There's a lot of implications that you have. And yet, one of the things I saw on Twitter was, well, you can't get rid of him. He's the captain. Well, we saw what happened with Andrew Ladd. Mm-hmm. We saw that who, happen, yeah. Who was a wonderful contributor. But what happens if Blake Wheeler starts falling off this year? Are you going to be able to move his $8 million contract? Not not that easily. And that's one thing, like, his yeah. five-year 8.25 AEV. So that leads him into, he'll be 38, I think, when that expires. Um, yeah, 38. Because, yeah, it doesn't start until next season. It'll be next season. Thing. Yeah, so, so this year he's still making his $6 million, I think it was, or just under yeah. that. And then it'll like, go up the year after. That's... Yeah. So I'm a little concerned about that as much as I love him. And I think that they need him. I'm not sure if they should have signed him before the start of the season. Yeah, if, that's... They sh- if they shouldn't have done what they did with Lad, where they. They waited he... it out basically. Yeah. And then they realized he wasn't, the team wasn't doing well. He wasn't doing well. And they should get rid of him. Yeah. And that's, and that worked out very well for the Jets, as we know. I mean, I, they did dodge a bullet with that one, yeah, for sure. And I can't remember if it was Logan Stanley or Jack Roslovic who came back in that trade um, from, through the pick. That was that, uh, Logan Stanley because they traded Stanley. up. Stanley, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, and then they had, um, yeah, not, not how I would have used that pick, but okay. Um, and then they had um, Marco, Marco Dano. Marco Dano, who yeah. I love. But Maurice does not love, as is very well known. Um, I have this weird affliction where I get super attached to really random players. <laughs> and one of them is Marco Dano, A, because his last names are so much fun to say. <laughs> um, and B, um, he was a really in- intriguing player his rookie season in Columbus. And he got traded in the sad trade um, when Columbus got sad. Uh, Brandon Sad from mm-hmm. the Chicago Blackhawks, right. and then um, Joel Quenville had a few issues with him, and they sent him to the AHL. Now, um, I have a guy in Europe, Patrick, and if you want to know anything about European prospects, Zeb Habs, Z E B underscore H A B S, on Twitter is super connected, especially in Sweden. Right. with people and um, he kind of tried to dig around on what was going on with uh, Dano and it might be a work ethic thing but really no one knows Right. so he went from the super promising kid to one who can't get on the ice and when he's on the ice he produces um, and that's actually the same with Nick Patan <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh, Nick Patan and um, again I have there's articles on this on Arctic Ice, and um, there's an AHL guy. Um, he normally writes for AOTP, but he sometimes comes and 
comes in throws in the odd granting article uh, or on uh, AIH or he um, tries to poach all of our good young defensemen. (laughs) (laughs) He he makes really funny trade proposals. Um, And he um, actually, the only player Nick Patanen could not make into a better player is Chris Thorburn. Right. Now, fun story about Chris Thorburn. At one point, you could search his name on our image searcher and a glove on the ice would come up. <laughs> <laughs> that should tell you all you need That's to know about. That's everything you need to know about Chris Thorburn <laughs> right there. So, um, what's, what's really sad is there are these really good players, young players who could be making a contribution and it seems like Paul Maurice doesn't want to give them a chance. And it would have been really interesting to see what the Jets could have done and I would make the um, Paul Stastny trade again in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But if the Jets could have found someone like Nick Patan, who could be, play between um, Line A and Ehlers, and that's actually a concern again for this year, is who's going to play between them? Yeah, and are they... Because they don't need to be together, but obviously we like them together. Well, but they need I, someone to carry them. That's the... Well, I think what happened was, and just is... Brian Little, they thought, could help them defensively. Yeah. And Brian Little took a major step back. Yeah. Um, and they decided that Mark Shifley, who was between them last, the Lionel's rookie year, was going to get the Wheeler and it was rotating, but usually Kyle Connor group yeah. duo. Brian Little does not fit the style of play of... Line A and Ehlers. And so the Jets have a second line center void because Little should be a third line center. And if Lowry is your fourth line center, you're golden. Yeah, that's that's ideal. Like Adam Lowry is a spectacular fourth line center. That's... So can you, but maybe you can fit a Nick Patan between those two and they carry him offensively and he pushes the puck yeah. up the ice. Another and name. Another name would be Jack Roslovic as well. Who, If he can play center, um, like there are people on the roster, but that's where losing Stasny. Stasny was so good with those two mm-hmm. because he was able to almost just take a step back and let them do a lot and just kind of get the puck to them and move to the areas of the ice that they needed. Exactly. Him. It, was, just it was really fun watching him play. Yeah. Them. That I really noticed. Obviously, the Jets were still really high in the standings when they got Paul Stassi, but he made them just that much better. It was like yeah. that next step, that step up to and really make them sauce, like a solid <laughs> unit altogether as a team. And so I kind of find it funny um, for years when the Chicago Blackhawks were dominant and they're not anymore. And this fall off, if you follow some Chicago Blackhawks fans on Twitter, they were seeing this coming from a mile away. Yeah. Um, but they had Jonathan Taves. And then for years, they never had a second line center. Right. They never <laughs> had really a bona fide second line center. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I can't remember some of the names, but there were some really terrible players there. <laughs> that and they, Patrick yeah. Kane carried them. <laughs> yeah, because he's Patrick Kane's a really good player, right? So yeah. that's, that's something that the Jets are dealing with and will be dealing with that for forever um, now. I think well, that's. And I'm curious if they'll be able to find an in-house solution because there are some guys and, you know, maybe one day, maybe my dreams come true and it's Marco Dano. 
because <laughs> it, it can be the most random players um, again, that just fit in and gel properly. Well, That's... again, with Montreal, yes, I'm kind of obsessed with them. People just deal with it. Uh, <laughs> they have Philip Deneau, mm-hmm. who came in a trade for Dale Weiss and oh god, he had a bunch of blood clots and then the Habs, oh, Thomas Fleischman. Oh, yeah. Um, they got him in a second round pick. And everyone's like, Dano, why would you want him? He's just like some fourth line plug. Yeah. Uh, he was young, though. And they put him with Pacioretty. Um, he doesn't score a lot. But he's really good. <laughs> and so if you get a guy like that, who doesn't necessarily score a lot, but does everything else so well that you don't notice the lack of points. The other guys will take care of the rest kind of thing. The other two, and right? he's still cheaper to keep. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a big thing that the Jets are going to be dealing with is yeah. find the good, cheap depth players or replacement players, right? Yeah, and I kind of think that this should bring us to my favorite topic. Yes. That I, have, I can't put into words. <laughs> The lovely defense. Yes, our <laughs> defensive situation is very interesting. Obviously, Jacob Truba signed his one-year deal yeah, via so, arbitration. Okay, so I'm just going to preface this with Tobias Enstrom for the longest time was my favorite player, Jet player. And when I found out he went home to Moto, first of all, he's gone home. Uh, Moto's in the second division in Sweden right now. Yeah. And it's such a big deal. They actually unretired the number, he his number, and he was named captain right away. And then after he came back, there was wondering musings if the Sidians would come out of retirement and join him to oh, get yeah. Moto up into the first back into the first league. Wow. Um, yeah. Like it's a really big deal that he's gone back home to do this. Yeah, that's that's that says something about him too, right? He's yeah, going home, so, he's going to lead his team back to glory. And, and he's not even in the first league. Like I think that that should be Yeah, it it's not even the, yeah. or um a league that made sense for him and he was really gracious as a jet. He um waived his no move clause when Vegas. I mean, he didn't need to cuz Vegas wanted Thorburn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So someone did point out that uh, trading down of picks last year might have been tied to them not taking Enstrom <laughs> or leaving the guy that Vegas wanted. Yeah, like, that was the the alleged that, thing, which kind of makes sense, I guess. But. Yeah, it does make sense. But anyways, um, they um, so I, I but Enstrom actually waived his no move clause because Myers um, would have been left unprotected. And at that point, his, him and his wife had a baby who was born very premature. Um, TSN did a feature on it. Yeah, I remember that. And from, so yeah. keeping the child where the doctors were was really important. And so I think we should laud Toby for stuff like that. Yeah, um, he did a lot more off and, and the very, ice. Yeah. And very quietly, he never drew attention to himself. And when I was talking to some Atlanta people... That was the thing was he was always quiet and he actually very early on figured if he said nothing, no one would ever come and talk to him. That's a good, that, that is a good, <laughs> good strategy for some players. If they don't want to be the center of attention, they won't mm-hmm. be. <laughs> yeah. He, um, but last year there was 
on his side, and I'm terrible with sides and defensemen. If you read anything I read on the defense on Arctic <laughs> Ice Hockey, you'll know that someone's always correct me in the comments. <laughs> um, but on one side, they had Morrissey, Enstrom, and Kulikov when they were all healthy. That was the healthy, yep. And on the other side, it was Truba, Bufflin, Myers. Kulikov and Myers are not the best players. They are excellent on the third pair. Though. They're they're perfect third pair. That's nice shelter and low minutes. And they're great there. They're they're a third pairing you can play. Mm-hmm. As of right now, we're opening camp with Kulikov on the first pair because Morrissey's unsigned. Right, that's right. Because <laughs> Morrissey needs a contract. Hopefully, they'll get that hashed out before. Yes. Yeah. And Enstrom's gone. Yeah. And then it's looking like Tucker Pullman. Yeah. Or uh, and um, Joe Morrow. Joe Morrow's, again, fine on the third pair. He has a cannon of a shot. Um, but he also has some... He, he provides offense on both ends of the ice. Yes. He scores for everybody. <laughs> I, I watched him a lot in Montreal, and that was the best way anyone described him. So... Yeah, that's... He, it, it was a really good description, and you can love him. I have nothing against loving random players, but he scores for both teams. Yeah, and that's not good. That's ungood, um, as some would say. It's going to be interesting watching Bufflin over the next few years as he gets older. And um, Truba, I don't know what's gone on between him and the team. People are saying he really wants to. He really wants to leave Winnipeg. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I have absolutely zero connections in Winnipeg, unless we count the fact that Mira at the Athletic keeps on tipping us off on stories because he's really cool like that. Oh, he's the um, best. He, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that our blog should just be noted as being endorsed by him because <laughs> we have been. Um, but reality is they need Truba. Yes, absolutely. Because you have Morrissey. Yeah. Um, Truba and Morrissey Noah. is what I want for the next eight years. That's what I want. You, and, and you have no future beyond those two. No nope. defense. Um, Logan Stanley, I mean, you can love him. I He's not going to be a first or second pairing defenseman. No, he's he's a <laughs> hockey player, but that's yeah. that's about it. And uh, of he's, course, he's not he's not a pluggist. Let's, he can play a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah, and also, while well, Sammy Niku is the next guy that comes to oh, mind, Niku is actually very good. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> I, I I love him. I he's a... my top one of my top players for sure. So hopefully he'll be able to fill Enstrom's shoes. But he's a little more free willing than wheeling than Enstrom, so you just hope to have to hope that Connor Hellebuck can can win the Vesna again or win the Vesna this season, I guess is <laughs> Yeah. And I, I love Hellebuck again. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's way too much fun to say. <laughs> um you just hope he doesn't go through the carry price early years. Right. You gotta um, I mean, I don't think he'll have as great a season as he did last year. But I, yeah. all the Jets need is a good goalie. They don't need an extra spectacular goalie. It has to be better than Andre Pavlikovs. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm having PTSD thinking about Andre Pavlik. So. He's, 
Um, Pavelectric. Pavelectric. Yeah, timely <laughs> saves for everybody. Um, <laughs> Just timely saves. <laughs> and one thing that I did see today uh, was Tyler Myers. They want to put him on his offside, which would be playing on the left side. Oh my god! On the second pair, <laughs> and that would that would leave him assuming assuming Morrissey signs, which I'll just assume for now, he will. That leaves us with a Morrissey Truba, Myers Bufflin, and like Kulikov for Poolman and Sharat, depending on how the healthy oh works out there. So, so I, I think it would be better to put Sammy Miku on the second pair and see how if he can sing. And, and see if he can swim. That's what I. That's what I've been saying even since last year when I saw him come up with the moose and have his yeah. AHL Defenseman of the Year and Rookie of the Year and all yeah. the good yeah. awards. Well, it was actually was, that was the funny thing. Mason Appleton won the Rookie of the Year and Sammy Niku won the Defenseman of the Year. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's, that's right. Just like I don't. How can you be the top defenseman and not the top rookie? But, yeah, I guess. Know. I mean, Appleton did have a great season as well, yeah. but that's that was, that was actually I never actually thought of it like that before. I was just happy everyone was getting awards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, the Jets' defense is definitely a state of worry right now, and in their defense, there's not a lot of guys available on the market. No, finding good defensemen, especially we'll say top four defenseman is definitely not easy and it's definitely yeah. not cheap and i'm just gonna float this out there that if the habs go for a tank i would poke around on jeff petrie jeff petrie is he is he good i you he's, know i don't follow much other than the a jets very but... solid second pair guy can play on the first pair was a monster for them after uh shea weber went down um Problem is the Habs probably need him. They probably need a few players to play uh, this season. But, so, but if he tanks, if they go for a tank and they start selling, um, I'm just gonna pull up Cap Geek on him actually, or yeah, Cap Friendly now. Sorry. Yeah, Cap Friendly. <laughs> Cap Geek, um, Habs. Oh, there we go. Um, is he a UFA? Oh no, he still has two more years. I don't think they could afford him. That's probably a little bit of an overcommitment there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's at 5.5, so I don't think they could afford him. But there's someone like Jordy Ben, who's at 1.1, who's capable. Um, that's just one team. Um, yeah, obviously, there's another 30 yeah. teams to look at. But yeah, yeah, that's just a few. You know, there's always... And they've, yes. showed, they've shown now that they're not afraid to make a big move with a Paul Stassi yeah. move last year. And, so. and, and something like trading for a um, Jordy Ben is not going to be a big move. That might be a third round pick. Like a mid-round pick. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, just and, some depth, some more depth and that kind of thing, um, which is... I mean, if they really wanted to go for broke, Eric Carlson's sitting right there at 6.5. <laughs> Take a gamble on the year of Carlson. I mean, that's that's one I mean, thing. Like he's he's okay. I mean, like yeah, he's he's, he's fine. What do we yeah, what do we trade a fourth round pick for him or something? Yeah, I think that's about I mean, it. I wouldn't give up much for someone like that. But, um, <laughs> I mean, the Suns are a, a bit of a uh, they're a dumpster mess fire. Right they're they are a dumpster fire. I, um, I love the fact that Bruce Arthur called that conversation between Eugene Melnick and Mark Bor- Borowicki um, between two th- two ferns. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, it, I was watching it, and I'm like, 
First of all, why am I watching this? Second of all, this is the greatest thing ever. That was five minutes that I won't get back, but I'm not going to regret losing. <laughs> but they, the Habs had just traded my favorite player, and the joke was, with us at least, was like, well, at least we're not the Sens. We're really white people. <laughs> we are not the Sens. Yeah, that's at least something. Um, You're always above the Sens right and, now. And, so. and then um, they came up with a new standing zone, the Sens did, and they were calling it the Coke Zone. <laughs> As in Coca-Cola, but no one thought to say, um, guys, that's really not a good name. No, no, that's probably not. And why don't we try to fill some seats, too, would be my... Uh... Yeah, like, uh, let's have a stand... For sure, have a luxury standing zone or whatever, but don't call it the Coke zone. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> the implications there are pretty funny. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, as you can tell, I really like uh, laughing at the Sens. Yeah, well, they're going to be, like, yeah, that's that'll <laughs> well, be some other whole story this year because they don't even have a first-round pick. Colorado. Who has that first round? Colorado does. Yeah. So, I Jets do division. Hope, I, well, I do hope the Habs finish below them then or get the higher pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, just, I mean, that would make me happy on two fronts. Yeah, exactly. We'll... Sometimes I can cheer for two teams for good reason. Exactly. There's lots. There's a lot of different reasons. <laughs> Sometimes I can say, you know what? I can laugh at the Sens, and it helps the Habs. Exactly. That's and that's a chance. good point. So the chance um, it takes a little bit, little bit longer for them to rebuild. Yeah. Um, but we'll jump back over to the Jets now. Um, so we talked about the defense is always a question mark. Uh, another question mark is the goaltending situation. Because after, after Connor Hellebuck, we have Eric Comrie, Laurent Brossois, and me or something is back there. So that's so, some, some cause for concern uh, for and, me. And um, who's the... Mikel Burden. Yeah, Burden as well is coming up, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if you ever followed... Well, you, you have said you didn't, but Carey Price early years, again, this is like... It's the easiest comparison for me with Hellebuck. He had the most random backup situations, and he ended up playing too much until. So they had Alex Ald. So they traded Yaroslav Halak. Um, And then they had people like Alex Ald and um, all these random guys. Um, And sometimes they pick up guys on waivers. I mean,. Honestly, Antiniemi is not a pretty goalie, mm-hmm. but he's quite cheap, I believe. And if he's waived, that might be the backup solution for the Jets. That's one thing I was wondering. I was like, are they going to wait till training camps are winding down or done? Yeah. And because, maybe scoop someone up that's um, better than... Perhaps backup, other potential backup is a guy by the name of Charlie Lindgren, who's, who is quite good in, from the age. Good prospect. I've heard of him before. Yeah. <laughs> so, and... I mean, the Jets draft a lot of goalies, but he was signed out of college. And you can get good goalies that way, just signing them mm-hmm. after the fact. There's also Michael Nick- Mc- McNiven that they have that they just signed out of junior. Um, so I think that maybe the waiver wire. Um, Niemi's one. He was okay last year. Um, really, he does. He wouldn't cause any issues, which is another thing that can happen with backups. Right. But 
the Jets have never really addressed their backup goalie situation. No, they and... had the well, Chris Mason. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they had the Chris Mason, who fine, who was, and then we had um, Al Montoya, <laughs> Monty, <laughs> Monty, who the Habs also had. Yeah, and I was they. I think the Jets traded him to the Habs. Actually, that was the Tangretti uh, trade. No, was... no. I think they did. I... No, 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 no. Tangretti was a different trade. I was so excited that day. Um, but when Montoya Tangretti was, signed... was uh, Peter Budai. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was... <laughs> they the Habs had uh, Jets had Peter Budai who was I think just in the AHL. Yeah, and he went 0 9 in the AHL that year. Something <laughs> awful. I remember that. I yeah. I, I love him though. Again, <laughs> super presents obscure a super nice guy. Yeah. Um, and then you have, yeah, Monty was great. Then we moved into the Michael Hutchinson years. The first year was great, and the first few months were great, and then he started falling off as people figured him out. And he was never, I think, that elite in the AHL, and that showed. Yeah, he was only last year with the Moose. He was, he had a spectacular yeah. season. Um, and then you had, so you had the Hutch years where he was up and down. And then we had the whole saga with uh, Steve Mason's knee. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah, that's, and that's basically where we are now. We're Connor Hellebuck with a bunch of guys behind him. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> Yeah, poor, poor Steve Mason, though. Like, that was just unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate situation. <laughs> now he's a free agent, but, I believe. Yeah, he still is. He was bought out uh, by the Habs. Yeah, the Habs. Oh, back to the Habs. Because Yol Armia was traded with Right. Him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> See, I think the reality is that Jets and Habs know how much I like both of them. So, so they, just, them. they just move them around for you so you can yeah. keep track of them really um, close. I'm actually looking. Um, I don't position goalies i mean you could get carly lettinen or you could go for andre pavlik or steve mason actually you know what i was having a conversation one time i think it was maybe it was either in private dm or public or it was andre pavlik perfect backup goalie which is actually not (laughs) not a lie if there wasn't history there right so here's something just looking at this the top three goalies available as free agents are either former Thrashers or Jets. Well, what's that have to say <laughs> about the Jets Lettinen, and their goalies? Yeah, because Lettinen, um, who, funny story, is he was actually Andre Pavlik's agent, Alan Walsh, basically said, you will play my, my player will be the starting goalie for the season with Atlanta or he won't play for you. And at the time, he was the hot shot kid from junior. And that was, I believe, Don Waddell bent to that. Yes. Um, and Lettman wasn't going to be able to start the year because he had back surgery, so they traded Lettman to Dallas. And that's how Pavlik got his big... And that's how Pavlectricity started for us. Started for Atlanta, which led to here. And... Yeah. Um so that was and um Pavlik's only three years younger than Lettman. <laughs> oh wow, so if, they if you needed to know that, which you probably didn't. Uh, need I to know, I mean, but... you know, I've kind of moved on from Andre Pavlik, but I, I... 
Have you moved on from Kari Let- Letnin though? <laughs> I uh, actually I haven't because when he was with Dallas, he uh, definitely did not have his best games when they played the Jets. So that I, uh, that helped. I loved how his nickname for the longest time was Kari Let them in. <laughs> that that is also accurate. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Poor, poor Thrashers and Jets. They finally finally have a good goalie and can't get a decent backup now. Yeah, like we don't want. That's one thing I've always said or been saying is Hellebuck should not ideally play more than 60 games yeah that should be his max because to get to the stanley cup and win the cup you have to play another what 25 ish games in the playoffs so that's bumping you up to 80 to 85 games so that's something where you need a backup in there that could spot start for 20 yeah and um and one thing one thing i'll mention too paul maurice once likes to ride his starting goalie he played Archer's Urbay for like 72 games one season with uh, I, Carolina. Yeah. So that's there's something some, to keep in mind. And there's some research out there that you should never play a goalie on a, the same goalie back to back. And they did that a lot with Hellebuck last year. And he was always, I'm all right. But there was times that he did look fatigued. There was a few times last year, especially near the later end, of, on. Uh, later on yeah. in the year, once he's pushing like, 50 to 60 games in yeah. four months of hockey. That's Well, and there was, it, it wasn't early on. Early on, he had a lot of rest. Mm-hmm. Whenever And when Mason was healthy, he was able to rest more. Yeah. But no one trusted Maurice or Conry, Hutchinson or Conry, to play in the back-to-back. And I, I'm going to keep on referencing Montreal. Um, there was a game where Almond Montoya led in something like eight or ten goals. But it was the first half of a back-to-back. Oh, okay. And the plan was for Price to have the night off. And he hung in there. And he, after the game, basically said, it's my job to take those games. Yeah, sometimes you just got to take one for the team. That's... And, but they were going to lose the game either way. Mm-hmm. Why put your starter in and... Sometimes I think Maurice should have just said, you know what, we might lose this game either way. They, now they were in a competition for um, first overall, I get that. But you really had to feel for him, because, yeah. for Hellebuck, because you could see some games he was just so fatigued, and then the Jets were getting a hole that they couldn't pull out of. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, the Jets are a team that if they are down, say if they have their backup in and they, they're down 4 nothing or something, the Jets are capable of scoring six goals yeah. in, say, oh. two periods because that's the kind of players they have. They have super offensively talented players and stuff like yeah. that. But obviously, sometimes you're just going to lose because you're going to lose. You don't need to put your starter who needs that extra night off in. But- yeah, and I, so I, I'd really like to know because Jets swear that they use analytics and stuff. And um, I'd really like to know what they use. <laughs> I just want to know how they interpret it. That's the that's yeah. always the key. They have all this information available. Yeah. Is how and how do they look at it? How do they deal with it? How do they address it? And yeah. what do they use and it for? You know, like someone who actually taught me a lot about interpreting things is he's a French blogger, um, Olivier Bouchard. And somewhere in the bowels of Arctic Ice archives, there's a French-English translation <laughs> before the Sochi Olympics, where Olivier and I, because he used to post these wonderful colored charts about how players 
Habsburgs performed it. He was doing it for. He was going to do it for the Olympics back when NHLers were there. Yeah, wonderful times. <laughs> and so, to help with that, I, him, and I worked together, and we came up with a very simple translation chart. So he could put it out in French, mm-hmm. and anyone could reference that chart. Okay. And then they could understand what they were looking at. Yeah, because it was honest to God, interesting information and kind of gave you an insight into how dominant Canada was. Right. Yeah. You could kind of see the underlying numbers that yeah, basically led to them winning the entire Olympics that year. Right. So, and like I have clear memories. And so the school division that my mom was a principal in and I sub in and I student taught in, um, they actually during the Sochi Olympics, cause the hockey games were on during the school. Yes. Yeah. And the board office had no problem. Principals had no problem with teachers putting on the wonderful (laughs) CBC streaming. (laughs) Kids could do their math work while watching hockey. Um, So I actually remember student teaching while the Latvia-Canada game was on. (laughs) I was actually proofreading some report cards or something. (laughs) Or writing out, like I was doing something on a a computer and I couldn't look away. And uh, anyways... um, the only thing the school division asked was that they tried to combine classes because it was being too much of a leg on the um, Right, yeah, cut internet. down on the bandwidth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they made sure to combine classes as much as they could and no one minded because it like part of and this is maybe in a little bit of teachery, part of teaching is actually building that community and also you have a lot of newcomers in Winnipeg now. Yes. Um, in Canada. But um, we're in Winnipeg, and I end up working with a lot of them in the summers, but that's something else. Um, and so teaching them that Canadian pride in hockey is, and any Olympic sport is huge. And so actually it was really too bad when two prongs with, with the NHL is not going to the Olympics. And the hockey being played in the middle of the night was you didn't get to build that kind of, that bond community. or that community feeling yeah. and everyone and, feeling included because they're cheering for one thing and that's yeah. yeah and with a lot of the immigrants coming from warmer climates where they don't have national hockey teams at the olympics yeah they can attach really something to get behind to canada which is really nice anyways that's a little aside we're back to where um, we started about inclusion in, in sports and inclusion yeah. in hockey so that's that's um, a good way to make a a roundabout yeah. <laughs> um but i do think getting back to the jets in general is that a lot of people think that they'll be just as good as they were last year and i think that they're going to take a step back I, because they have so many question marks out there yeah i will agree with that i mean they'll still definitely be competing for the playoffs as they should be yeah i mean i don't think they'll put up a hundred and 19 points or whatever they had last season um they they have a lot of challenges coming up you know a lot of interesting roster battles that'll be dealt with in camp in the next couple of weeks and obviously throughout the season lots of variables so well and i'm curious if paul maurice can trust a young player because i think a lot will hinge on if he will trust niku if he will trust roslovich to find his feet at center if he'll trust if McCann. He will... Patan, because um, the Jets could actually roll out um, 
a really fun third line of Little, Pratan, and Deno. Yeah. Or Perot. Oh, we never talked about Perot. So Perot's a winger for certain now. Putting Perot on the third line and having a fourth line of Lowry and Cobb who are, when they're together, they're a machine. When they're separated, they're not nearly as good. Mm-hmm. And then put someone like Patan who can, or Deno, who's good with the puck. Yeah. And that could be an insanely good fourth line. Yeah. And you can play them as the checking line. And the little line sits more sometimes. Like, I don't know. But Perot and Patan and Little could be an oddly effective line. And then you have the centers who can kind of surround Roslovich and let that line just take a bunch of offensive minutes off of it. Yeah, you could kind of you could kind of shelter them a little bit in that in that yeah. sense. Yeah, that's that's a good point and something that we have to trust our coach uh, Paul Maurice <laughs> with. Um, yeah. So I we won't get I, our hopes too high on that. But I keep uh, <laughs> making the argument, no matter how well the Jets do, that he they should move on from him, and I'm sure that's never going to go over well. But I think being a good coach is more than making the playoffs. Um, if you've ever read Adam Gretz, he he's actually a really good writer. He's with NBC Sports now, I think. He's 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 all over the place. He actually wrote that Mike Babcock, well, a good coach, might not be the best coach in hockey, okay. which is a bit of a hot take. Yeah, that's a scorching one. Yep. But his argument was, and I saw it at the tail end of his time in Detroit, and also at his time with Toronto is he doesn't trust young players and a lot of the analytics or aging analytics now say that you should that guys kind of hit their peak at 25 that's that's the prime yeah that's so if you want to get the most of your players you get the like well let's say Austin Matthews you should be playing him he's he's he was 19 when the NHL started his rookie year I think you play him and then you get like let's say eight amazing years out of it. Yeah. But they started him on the third line. He scored four goals, and they started him on the third line. <laughs> um, and that's actually if you talk about the greats and the young young guys, it's like you look at Sidney Crosby. We lost his prime. Yeah, that's right. We missed his prime because the concussion situations he had yeah, to deal with. Like, yeah. I. I you look back at that and you think like what could have been you, yeah oh, which is really sad it's it's Pittsburgh's had that with Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby yeah that's two great talents that were their yeah, careers and, were interrupted basically and Malkin had the knee injuries yeah he was <laughs> sidelined too for quite a bit of his yeah, prime, like, prime years I mean Pittsburgh has three Stanley Cups with those two and they missed a lot of time which is really funny. So maybe the chess should take some hope from that. <laughs> you know, you can have players get injured, you can have players miss a lot of time, and they can come back and win the cup. But I think that a lot of what hinges for the Jets next two, three years is what happens with Morrissey, which from what was said a week, a couple weeks ago now, Morrissey wants a bridge contract. So one to two years, probably two, and the Jets want to sign him long term like Shifley for below market value. 
um, what the concern there is, at least for me, is that once he comes out of that, he's going to want to make his money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and How cost many... the cats more overall. Technical difficulties. Let's finish off where we were about <laughs> prime players. Yeah, so, I mean, the Jets have a real good core, young core, if they rightfully make the shift down to line A and Ehlers and Truba. Some people will debate me on that one, but I stand by the fact he's amazing. Morrissey, Niku, we think Hellebuck hopefully holds Shifley. They have a really good young core that should be able to compete with the right pieces around them. The one mistake they're making is they're signing those older pieces for too much for too long, but hopefully they can stop doing that soon. But outside of that, I think things are finally looking like the team I affectionately call the Thrashettes are are going to actually do something. Yeah, that's a that's a good point about the uh, sign of the older players to long term big money extensions. Usually a team could afford to carry maybe one bad contract, not two. Well, and what's funny is the first, well, second lockout. So there was the lockout in the 1990s. Um, The the big lockout, the one that we lost, the whole season was lost for, was basically about those older players getting those really big contracts and being really bad. Uh, Bobby Hulick. Anyone? Um, <laughs> if there's a book about Gary Bettman, oh god, that I read a few years ago, and it's really, really good. Um, and he, because he came from the NBA, which is ten times more fun than the NHL. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> a really funny article, and I, I normally don't share non-hockey things on. Um, the Arctic Ice Hockey feed, but I had to because um, Zach Lowe wrote this article that if you had a wing of the absurd things that have happened in the NBA, and it was literally from about, well, around the time that that Miami super team was formed with James Bosch and um, Dwayne Wade. Yes. um, From about that time on. I was almost crying. I laughed. <laughs> like chicken tortilla soup being thrown on coaches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's the gif of the raptor, the blow up raptor uh, mascot deflating and Robin Lopez having feuds with mascots. Like the Just NBA. all this fun stuff, yeah. And Gary Bettman came from that league. <laughs> uh, he came from a fun league and, and, into the NHL. Yeah. That's, uh, that's actually an interesting point. I never... Yeah, but you don't you don't um, think of those kind of things sometimes. No, but anyways, um, so I'm really curious to see how this season goes, and also how fans take a step back when the Jets don't win, go on those really long win streaks and everything again, and if they don't hang and they're more of a wild card team this year, how is that going to be taken by fans? Because yeah. That's a good point because we've dealt with not very good teams that when they won three games in a row, which was a challenge up before last season, was something to be happy about. 
and well, now we've had a team that made it all the way within a couple of games, a couple of goals of the Western or of the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and what was interesting about that was um, Vegas, like Winnipeg, got beat up by Nashville, and that's why they struggled against Vegas. Vegas still got beat up by Winnipeg, and that's why they struggled against Washington. Yeah, the Jets did really well against Vegas. They just got stoned by a hot goalie, which yeah. is basically how you lose in the playoffs is and, hot goaltending. How you lose and win yeah. in the playoffs. Oh, and who knows if Flurry will be able to uh, recreate last year. I yeah, well, so, one, but... thing, one thing about last year is he was injured for the first maybe two months of the season. Oh, yeah. So he was a really weird goalie thing. They had like five goalies that played in the first two months or something. That was hilarious. Ridiculous. And they were still... They were still leading there. the division or at the top of the division basically yeah. the whole season. So that so, was a lot of luck and a bunch of other variables that I can't really get maybe, too much into. But yeah. You know what? Sometimes it's just destiny. It's just the way it's meant to be. There's yeah. something, everything happens for a reason or something like that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I think we're going to wrap this up. We're pushing about an hour now, which is <laughs> absolutely spectacular. <laughs> Um, so is there anything you'd like to plug, maybe something you're working on well, or just so, you had mentioned the Habs blog or yeah, Arctic Ice so or something? Every once in a while, you will see me talk about the Habs. Um, we, I, I announced uh, we decided that we're friends because uh, one of their writers actually, who, wa- who lives in Winnipeg and watches the Jets, came to me yesterday and was like, uh, so I'm not really going to watch the Habs as much this year for a uh, good reason. <laughs> um, and I love Nicolette yours for good reason yep. and so she's going to be contributing so um, Justin who's their managing editor I said to him I'm A stealing your player your, your writer and B uh, we're now friends blog friends because um, <laughs> they need a hug <laughs> yeah that's yeah <laughs> they, 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 they've lost a lot of really good players um, I, I mean granted players who are probably just going to be heading down that aging curve curve now so that's mm-hmm. but it's tough to go through that all in the same and, breath. and max patcheretti i know everyone talks about pk suban and what he's done for the city of montreal max patcheretti um broke his neck right and um in his recovery found out that there's a specific type of mri that would make diagnosing injuries like that easier and uh, started fundraising for to so the hospital could buy that, and uh, it'll be in usage in November. That's right. I did see that article and, or comment go by. Yeah. The and um, so I might try and write something about the emotional impact of losing Patretti because I think, like everyone talks about Subban and what he meant to Montreal, but Patretti lived in Montreal full time. He mm-hmm. lived in the city. And not in one in a suburb. suburb. Um, and he, there was an article this year. He randomly visited a homeless shelter and basically asked them, "What do you? What can I? What can we do to help?" Um, but he was a lot quieter than Subban about it. So the right. outcry had nothing to do with all the charity that work that he quietly seemed to do in Montreal. Yeah. Um, and he was also my favorite player. <laughs> yeah, that that so, also hurts a little bit more, a little emotional. Yeah, but so, so someone someone said to me, at least he'll be on a better team that will win. That has a chance. That is yeah, hopefully so, going to be competitive. That, so that, that's, that's something a, to look that's, up. That's a good way to look at it. Um, I'm currently, as you mentioned, talking about Blake Wheeler. 
I'm currently attempting to write about the risks of signing him and that contract he has. I don't think that will go over well because everyone loves Blake. He's a good captain. He likes Winnipeg. And Winnipeg has a perpetual need to be liked. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's something that we uh, deal with uh, on the weekly, on the daily. Um, so there was jokes a few years ago um, when the Jets first made the playoffs. Do you remember the fans getting a star? Oh, <laughs> the fifteen thousand and five fans that got the yeah. third star because they yeah. showed up and were loud or something. Yeah, yeah. that was um. So Winnipeg perpetually needs to be validated and liked, and because Blake Wheeler does that, saying that it's not the best contract might not be <laughs> popular. But but as long uh, as there's facts to prove it, like you mentioned in our first little segment, there it's yeah all relevant. If anything, um. If you are ever bored, our archival archives on Arctic Guys Hockey, um, if you go back to 2014, do you remember when the Americans um, let USA Today and ESPN into their war room when they named their Olympic team? I do recall that, yes. Yeah, I actually broke down why their like anger at the stories they wrote was wrong and it's very historically weird. It's about the states of the realm. Stuff like that you might get on Arctic Ice Hockey, depending on my time about right. my availability. But um, So right now, Blake Wheeler. Um, camp coverage? Camp is starting up like in a few days um, from when we're recording this. That's we're like... going to have AHL coverage this year. Um, AHL, if you want to watch the Moose, AHL TV is about $80 Canadian to watch every single Moose game this year. Yeah, that's right. They've cut their prices down ridiculously. So Yeah, so um, we now, I don't feel bad asking someone to cover the AHL, and that's going to be Derek. So if you want to know what's going on with the Manitoba Moose, we're going to have that. Um, If there's anything interesting that pops up, um, we try and have editorialized things. Um, when Liney was struggling last year, it was what is actually wrong with him? And also, wow, he's really good because he's struggling, and yet we're talking about someone who's on goal, on pace for thirty goals. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the um, that's kind of where what you can look forward to. And we're also on Twitter at Arctic Ice Hockey. I mm-hmm. think we're pretty funny, but. We we'll we'll leave animal. that we'll leave that uh, that we open. We use a lot of animal gifts and Disney references. So well, there's it's nothing an, wrong with that. It's an acquired taste, but a good one. <laughs> Is that a millennial thing? I think that's a millennial thing. Actually, oh, no. I, I see. Or... I, I grew up with Disney. Yeah, I love Disney to this day. So I will reference Disney. Hey, that's as I you could reference Disney in a lot of things. Yeah. They hit they hit me a lot harder after and, watching them as an adult compared um, to when I was ten. Our game recaps. I once did one using only like spoofing on Disney lyrics for ten thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have a lot of fun. So come check us out, and um, hopefully people are not 
don't come away from this thinking that I hate the Jets because I don't. They just have this really weird place in my heart that I don't really know what to make of them. Most they, days. they make it. I always like to say they make it really hard to love them because <laughs> if you're able to analyze all the moves they make, it sometimes is like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? But why do I, I like you? That kind of thing. I will say this. Um, group of Habs fans who I know quite well said yesterday that we're a good Canadian team that's not the Leafs. So <laughs> that that helps they a like lot. Us. Yeah, that's a good that's a <laughs> that's good why, thing. That's why some people like us. So let's just leave it at that is the Jets are a good Canadian team that's not the Leafs and that the Toronto media is not fixated on. So. Exactly. Kind of like a dark horse of the Canadian teams. Yeah. Well thank you for having me. Yeah, you know what? Uh it was definitely a pleasure talking to you, and I'm glad that we got the chance to sit down and do this. And yeah. hopefully, we'll have you on again maybe sometime during the season or yeah. whenever our schedules can mesh up or something like that. Sounds excellent. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Bye.